we're coming to we're kind of coming to to your city almost we're almost gonna do that did you okay welcome in to another episode of saturday football uncensored i am your host chris marler we don't have a cold open and i don't feel bad about it because tyler is literally in the cold and out in the wide open because he went to alaska do some fishing i don't know all the ins and outs of doing a cold open because and I think it involves a quiet reading over something, which I'm not good at either of those things. So welcome into the podcast. Here's what we're talking about today. And then I'll, I'll introduce our special guest. Um, we are discussing on today's podcast, the week zero recap uh, and what we learned from week zero and why Vandy should never be allowed to host Thanksgiving dinner ever again. Then we're going to get into some hot takes. Uh, after we what we saw week zero and what we expect from week one, we're going to talk about one word that describes every single SEC team headed into week one. And we're going to also give our official college football playoff predictions uh, and watch them just go up in smoke before the leaves change and the month of October hits on the calendar. But I say all that, I guess that kind of is a cold open. Let's get started. We are joined by a very special guest. We haven't seen him in a while. Um, our good friend from Locked On SEC, Chris Gordy, is back in the mix. What's up, Gordy? What is up, Marler? It is uh, week one. It is upon us. We have gone through the desert uh, on a horse with no name, and we are ready to go. Um, I am mostly disappointed that we are losing big and rich off college game day. That's what, what I'm that? most disappointed about. I don't know why we have to move on from coming to your city, but I'm sure we'll get like Imagine Dragons or something really cool and hip that the kids like. Okay, so I'm glad you you have not seen the announcement that ESPN made today. And I don't think it's because of the horrible backlash they got from when they said, from this weekend, when it was like, I don't, they, they said something about how it was like, and all season long, we will take you there. And then they cut into the intro song and it's like, I'll take you there. And it wasn't even the good one with Maya from the Rugrats uh, soundtrack from 98. It was like the real, real song. but. The announcement they made earlier today, you clearly are looking up on, on your phone right now. I'm trying not only to are we getting, Not only are we getting, we're coming to your city, we're getting it with Lainey Wilson. Oh, so they're keeping the song. Yeah. Just a different artist. And adding that dump trunk to each episode. Intro okay. into, yeah, that's, that's not that's bad, fine. right? Yeah, that's fine. I, I thought they were going to go like full on like... uh well, let's go with get up for game day. Like, oh, yeah, that would have. That's whoever's in charge of that. It's in charge of like the Bud Light marketing from like a, a couple months ago. I could easily see ESPN doing something like that. Here's the Magic Dragons with what underdog? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> they just give the people what they want and like whatever's hot on TikTok that week, make it that. Like, and what I mean by that, I mean just, just give me Creed. I don't think our TikToks are the same as normal people, but like, have you heard this song from, what's her name? She's a rapper from St. Louis. She is out of control inappropriate. Hold on. I don't know how to even look up her name. Yeah, I'm not up on my St. Louis uh, female rappers these days, but. Well, it's not good. The song is called Pound Town. Oh, I, I, you know what? I've seen the music video for that. It's so bad. <laughs> but it's so bad you're like oh maybe good town town it's really bad it's anyway really, let's get it's really the, a song for the kids really 
Yeah, I've been watching kids all weekend. I'm over it. I'm just over it. Kids are like, oh, um, like like the dog pound? No, not even close. Um, yeah, I've, I've actually been in Atlanta at my best friend's house all weekend. Um, and what it's been a fun, it's been a very fun weekend, very fun weekend. But on some of the downtime, we've watched, I've watched the kids. Um, I'd say what that blippy is a fucking monster. Like the, did you say blimpy? Blippy. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. You don't have kids, you probably don't watch it. It's this guy. Okay, so Bluey is a good show. I'll stand by Bluey. that. It also looks like it's like it's about like corgis and stuff. But Blippy, Blippy is like this like nerdy guy in glasses and like a weird beanie, like a multicolored beanie. And and he's like, well, we're gonna learn how to make milkshakes today. <laughs> and and then like I watched it, I was like, this guy is awful. Like he's awful. And then somebody told me that he apparently is worth. $500 million. Uh, anyway, that's it. That's it. Um, all right, let's get into what else happened this weekend. And week zero games were this past weekend, right? Did you watch all of week zero? I did. Uh, I was disappointed in Navy. I thought they I thought they had a chance to give, uh, at least score some points on Notre Dame. Kudos to Notre Dame. I thought they came out and uh, played their butts off. Um mm-hmm. You know, look, they had a lot of fans. I was just in Dublin a few weeks ago. And, yeah, you uh, were. There was Notre Dame. Like, every gift shop you went in, there was, like, Shamrocks and then, like, Notre Dame stuff. And it was like, this is a little weird, but uh, there's a lot of crossover there, you know. Um, it was weird seeing the live shots there because it was all, like, these middle-aged white dudes with Midwest accents all like, man, we just love Dublin. It's like, what? This is just so weird. But there was some weird yeah. cost with Notre Dame and Dublin. But uh, no, it was cool. Uh, the Irish fans showed out. I think I think Notre Dame looks back on track. I mean, right. it, it couldn't have gotten much lower last year than when they lost to Marshall. And you're like, oh, God, did we make a terrible mistake in pivoting to Marcus Freeman after Brian Kelly left? Yeah. But I think Freeman Freeman's recruiting well. Um, you know, I think that getting Sam Hartman was absolutely huge. And uh, well, I think I think Notre Dame's got a good ch- chance to get the double digit wins, and I don't think maybe they'll be in the playoff hunt, but I think New Year's Six is in play for them if, if all, all goes well. We were talking about this a while back on the on the pod, and you start looking at that schedule and what they had coming back, and 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 again Hartman, like with what Hartman is at quarterback and what he's been for like roughly eleven years at Wake Forest. I mean, like he's been a very very good quarterback, and now he's going to Notre Dame. Now here's the thing, though, that people don't understand. This a lot of times people want to say like, oh, this is probably like it's it's such an instant upgrade. You're gonna have all these like new skill position players. And Notre Dame has talent. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. They got a great running back. Um, but like I know when Reese was there as the OC, he had let's see, what was it? He had, I believe, one top 100 ranked recruit at the skill position at a skill position um, on offense in three years that he was the OC there, and it was a tight end. It was Michael Mayer. That's it. They did, they did not have, like, it wasn't like the cupboard was, like, stocked full of five-stars and four-star offensive players, but Hartman looked good. I, I will say the numbers looked better, I think, than how he looked as a quarterback. Like, if, if I'm not going to critique anyone with that stat line. I, I know he got to four touchdowns, and that's great. They had a great win. Um, it's, it's, it's very early in the season, blah, blah, blah. He was late on a lot of throws, a lot of throws, and I think it probably helped that he had – Navy secondary a little bit, but that being said, he still looked very sharp in the intermediate passing game. Was very impressed with that. 
got the ball out well in some of those. Some of the stuff downfield, the ball was out late a lot of times. Um, but they did look good on offense. They were able to do stuff. The defense was pretty stout. I mean, obviously, you're going up against a Navy team that I think they had one pass for like four yards. So, um, but it was fun to watch, you know, just to have football back. The broadcast itself was dog shit. Jason Garrett, they were in like fourth quarter blow blowout mode in like the second quarter. Like if I heard him say one more thing about Navy's mental toughness because of their training, I I mean I was gonna turn on Bluey. I like I even tweeted about it. It was it looked awful. It was it is every was the, the broadcaster that was supposed to do the game with Jason Garrett got sick or something. And so they had to throw Noah Eagle in there, like last yeah. minute, who's Ian Eagle's kid, and he's over there now. But like, yeah, I, I that was I found that very odd. They like just mentioned that in passing in the beginning. They're like, oh, and by the way, you're filling in because the other guy's out. And yeah. I thought it was fine. I mean, there was a little overplay of every shot of. Uh, there's only so many shots of the Guinness warehouse you can show. Uh, yeah, <laughs> cliffs of more, and it's like, all right, what are we doing here? Right. I, but I thought it was a fun opening game. I will tell you, we're going to get into this later. I mean, your boy is back. I may not be wagering money on games this year, but I'm going to be making some money for other people. That's for sure. <laughs> um, six and two. Wow. In my first weekend's game. There are people that were like, like, like I mean, it was a pretty standard slate. Um, nothing that was that crazy. I, I, I miss Vandy covering 17 and a half. I mean, it felt like I missed USC to cover seven and a half first quarter. Um, now, I will say this, and you're smarter than I am, and you do your job uh, the way it's supposed to be done, like where you're actively doing it. Um, my question is, the clock, is it just a running clock? Because, I, I like, if you go out of bounds, it, it continues to run, which is stupid. Yes. And if it goes, like, I thought it was just the first downs. It This is like. No, it's, it's everything. It's a running clock. Basically, yeah. What about incomplete passes? I think it keeps it keeps uh, as far as I understand. I thought the rule was it keeps running on incomplete passes, keeps running on um, step out of bounds, and keeps running when the chains move first down. The only time that changes is within two minutes of the two minute warning. No, remember like this was talked about and proposed. And I was like, please don't let this happen. And then like literally a week later it comes out, they've approved it, stamped, it's done. I was like, well, See, shit. I thought it was just like the incomplete passes thing. I'm not so completely sure on and i could have looked this up i only had three days to do it lord but like are you looking it up right now yeah. I, I mean like it was stupid it was it, it was stupid like i i just didn't like how that they did that at all and it, like because listen here's the thing it, this isn't baseball people aren't sitting here like oh my gosh you know what this this football game that however many millions of people tune in for the number one sport in the world every single year like well i mean at least in America, like every single year, like we need to make sure those games are shorter. No one's saying that. That's what I said. I said like th this whole thing about like, I understand why baseball did it. We right. got you, you go to a baseball game on a Tuesday night that goes three and a half hours. I get it. People are like, we got it. We got school tomorrow. Like it's yeah. 30. we got to go. I understand that. But nobody, literally nobody was complaining. My God, these college football games are going on too long. Like, yeah. 
how about you cut if you're CBS, trim down on your advertising a little bit? How about you double your advertising cost and cut the commercials in half? Because CBS was like, all right, uh, somebody scored, we're back. Here's the kickoff. Now back to another commercial. Like right. CBS, SEC and CBS has been just awful to watch because of all the commercial breaks. But yeah, I mean, like the only thing was a few years ago, the seven overtime game between LSU and AM. People were bitching. They were like, oh, we got to change this. This is stupid. Yeah. Even that, I was like, I'm fine with it. But people were like, we got to find a, a – we got to end these games sooner. So it's like after first overtime, then you got to go for two and whatever. Second um, overtime. Yeah, I mean, that's how that's how LSU beat Alabama. But anyway, um, just wanted to throw <laughs> that in there. I don't know if you remember that. It happened last year. LSU beat Alabama. Yeah, it was in Athens. It was great. Um, but uh, no, I mean, like, I, I don't know anybody that was complaining. We got to get these games over quicker. So – uh, I think even Brian Kelly acknowledged it today in his press conference. He said that they are the numbers are showing offensively you will run five to six less plays a game because of this. Or if you're I, it's got to be less than that. Or if you're Lane Kiffin, 12 less plays a game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the thing for me was like, I, I was saying this in the offseason. I was like, there's going to be a natural drop off of points per game. It, it honestly was really impressive that USC still put up 56. Um, because that that is a that is tough to do. But you're going to see a, a drop off on a lot of points scored. Um, and, and listen, I thought it was just, I thought it was just the, the, uh, first down thing. I didn't know it was like when you run out of bounds and then like, that just doesn't make any sense to me. It just, it makes no sense to me. Anyway. Um, they uh, they said the rule change is a small step intended to reduce the overall game time and give us some time to review the impact of the change. So they could go back, but this is effective this year. Yeah. Anyway, well, other other week zero games. Um, now I missed a lot of the night games because I was out and about on the town. So well, Vandy had an hour and forty minute uh, lightning delay, so that was a lot of fun for those who for those few who wanted to stay up and watch Vandy Hawaii. Uh, you really had to want to stay up and watch it second um, year in a row, as I think halftime happened around like ten thirty Central oh. Time. So. Yeah. Um, now I watched most of that game. I'm big, big, big concerns with with uh, Vandy's secondary. Vandy's yeah. offense is actually decent. Like their passing game, their weapons they have. Will Shepard still one of the best wide receivers in the SEC, if not the country. Um, they got some weapons. They got to find a run game. They couldn't run the ball worth a damn. But yeah. giving up like 350 passing yards to Hawaii, not great. What do you right. think Kevin Leary is going to do? What do you think Joe Milton and Carson Beck are going to do? So that's. That's a concern. Over the receivers out of bounds, probably. Yeah, but nonetheless, look, Vandy's one and zero. They get another scrappy this week. I think Alabama and A and M. So, uh, they'll get their wins early. But I just uh, uh, some of the Vandy beat writers I saw were a little bit. They were like, "Oh, we thought this was actually building towards taking yeah. another step forward this year. Maybe we get to six and six and go to a bowl." A lot of pe- Vandy people after week one are like, "Eh, we're not there yet." Yeah, it, I mean, it was kind of concerning. The, the run thing was what was mainly concerning. Um, now, I didn't watch a second of it. I hate to say that. Actually, I don't because it's week zero. And AJ Swan and, looked good. Swan, yeah. I think Swan will be – I don't think he'll be like the worst quarterback in the SEC this year. No, no, I, I think that would be kind of foolish too, to think that he would be. I know that like, a lot of people have him down there just because. I think Brady Crook is probably going to challenge that spot. Graham Mertz obviously has probably should hold that spot right now with what he's done on his resume up to this point. Um but that being said, I thought it was it was good to see Vandy get a dub regardless, right? Now USC, um, USC won fifty six twenty eight, right? 
It was close uh, in the first half, though. San Jose yeah. was scoring, and I was watching on my phone on an illegal stream because no one can get the Pac-12 network anywhere. Unreal. Um, but, yeah, it, what's his face? Caleb, he made some good, some bad throws early, and then a botched play where they botched the snap. He picks right. it up and just throws it down the field, wide open receiver for, like, a, I don't know, 70-yard play or something. So right. you didn't miss much, but, like, Huge concern still for USC's defense. I read something that, like USC's defense has improved. I'm like, I, how? I mean, I guess they were so bad last year. So if you win 56-28, that's a sound victory. The spread was 30 and a half. Um, I think I had him, like I said, first quarter. Uh, here, I'll go, go into the bets real quick just in case anyone was following along. We had Notre Dame to score first, got it. Notre Dame first half uh, to cover 11 and a half, got it. Notre Dame to cover 20 and a half, full game, got it. Um, Sam Hartman over two and a half touchdowns, which is plus money, which is kind of surprising to me. He ended up doing four. Um, then I had AJ Swan over two, over one and a half touchdowns uh, to get me to five and zero. Oh. San Diego State minus three. They covered that, and then I missed on like I said, USC first quarter and Vandy full game. So a good start all the way around. But but the South or the USC twenty eight point difference is like. Fine. I think it's still impressive they put up 56, 56 points no matter who they were playing, like I said, with like the running clock type shit. At the same time, 21 to 14 at the half. And you brought it up too. Like we all just kind of assumed like Alex Grinch is going to come in here and he's going to he's going to make a big improvement in year two. And how could they not? Because they're recruiting better than everyone else. They're going to come in here and like and they got people. That is going to be the the destination in the portal. Why would you not want to go to L.A.? Why would you not want to be in the, under the palm trees next to the beach, you know, with like blondes and and. BMWs everywhere. Like, why would you not want to do that? But that being said, they're not playing at a high level on defense. I mean, they were they were up 21-14 at the half to San Jose State. I don't know. T- to me, it seems like a little ridiculous um, and a little bit far-fetched to think that this team is going to make the playoff. No. Um, not just based off we – they're not, right? San Jose State put up 400 yards of offense. I think they were like 5 of 13 on third downs. Right. Uh, that's, that's a team you should have – just absolutely dominated. And again, yeah. final score looks that way. But like I that that score to me should have been more 56 to three. Like if, right. if US is back back, then you're not giving up 400 yards of offense. Here's the problem. You give 400 yards of offense to San Jose State. What do you think? I don't know. Utah is going to do Washington, Oregon. Oregon, UCLA, all those teams on the back stretch of the schedule. Yeah. So their, their schedule sets up well with Nevada, Stanford, Arizona State, Colorado. I don't think is there yet, even though they're getting all the Dion hype. Yeah. Uh, Arizona. I think they're going to go into that October 14th game at Notre Dame, probably undefeated. Mm-hmm. But I think they lose that game. Uh, yeah. I, I think after week one, I don't think there'd be a lot of people that would uh, argue it that much, uh, that, that point that much. So I think it's a, a pretty, pretty good point. Um, other games from this weekend, I don't know what there were. I think I kind of want to get into the predictions of uh, our college football playoff predictions, maybe some hot takes after week one or going into week one. I will say real quick, as we as we end the first segment here on, on the week zero stuff, um, two things that came out after our last episode, the Bishop Sycamore documentary and the Florida uh, documentary as well. Did you get a chance to watch either of those? I watched Florida. I did not watch Bishop Sycamore yet. Um Florida was I, I liked it. I know everybody the trendy thing was to hate on it because oh you didn't tell the full story, all this. As an SEC football fan who was in school during that time, so it was it was fun. The nostalgia yeah. was fun to me. Reliving a lot of those games, reliving LSU, Florida 07, reliving the the hype of Tebow. I remember when Tebow, like this is when message boards were at their height of popularity. Yeah. We recruits like recruiting talk was 
I remember my buddy who was an Alabama fan was like, dude, I think Tebow's coming to Bama and all this. Like that was the the buzz at the time. So yeah. reliving a lot of that was fun. Um, but I understand what people were pissed about. You didn't tell the real stories. Like mm. yeah, all the dudes, you don't even mention the word murderer and Aaron Hernandez in the same sentence. And the documentary, yes, the director came out and she was like, well, we just wanted to focus on just those years of, you know, Florida playing football. And it's like, well, then don't tell the story then. If you right. can't tell what happens after the fact, right. like a John Hughes movie, like eight years later, Aaron committed suicide in a prison yeah. cell. Like, if well, you can't tell that story. Oh, and the other thing, too, is it's like, like th this is what pissed me off about the documentary. Because if you would have come out and said, Swamp Kings, the story of the 2005 to 2010 Florida football Gators. Fine. But what you did was you came out and you put out, like, this salacious-looking preview with urban meyer this is going to be fucking terrible this is going to be fucking crazy or whatever he said and then you're showing like tebow and, and, and they were doing flashes of like here's here's something great that happened and here's an off-field arrest here's something great that happened and they in in the actual was, i mean it was, it was four episodes of 45 minutes a piece three hours like they didn't talk anything about that and then you put on the actual cover or like the photo or i mean the poster of it or whatever riley cooper Aaron Hernandez, and I knew that there was something up when they put Riley Cooper on there because it was like Riley Cooper didn't get into any trouble from what I know in in college. Like he you know, had a horrible moment and dropped the N word and, and like was like an idiot like on 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 a phone in um, when he was a professional. But as far as I knew, he hadn't gotten in trouble in college. So I was like that's kind of weird. Like it seems like they're kind of forcing it. And the Hernandez thing, all it was was like him saying. Yeah, you know, we were at the swamp and and Tebow was saying how how bad the insults were. I thought about this afterwards too. I wonder what the insults were because if Tebow said they were awful, that doesn't really mean much to me. Yeah. Like it's, it, they probably were. But anyway, so it's just, there was, it left a lot to be desired. The Bishop Sycamore doc was mind blowing. This guy, the guy who was in charge of this whole thing was just a terrible person. Like, and there's no remorse, just a, right? Just a bad, no remorse, no remorse. Said he would do it again tomorrow. Thinks like, and you could see the wheels turning whenever he's like when he's like watching or he's like describing what he did um and when he's like actually describing what what happened and all that kind of stuff um and then you can see him get excited about it and and then like start saying like, oh well this is what i'm gonna do this is what this is what will happen next it was just a bunch man it was it was a lot zero remorse for what he did i didn't like that i didn't like that at all but anyway all right Let's get into um, – we've been doing our preview series all season long, or preseason long. Uh, we've, we've given our picks for each conference winner. Um, we can do college ball playoff predictions and Heisman tonight. Let's spring the Heisman on you. Okay. Because it doesn't matter. Um, now, I also got into a little bit of trouble this weekend just making sensible, sensible comments about the Heisman which, of course, went over poorly with Georgia fans um, and Brock Bauer's chances to win the Heisman. By the way, you, you, had a, you had a great call on uh, the college game. First off, college game day being back was awesome on Saturday, but stupid F1 racing wasn't over, so you had to go over to ESPNU to watch game day. Uh, but anyway, get over there just in time to see Desmond Howard make his Heisman prediction where he picks uh, Brock Bauer's from Georgia, I'm like, wow, for the since like first time since the 1930s, a tight end's gonna win the Heisman. And then he does his SEC pick and he's got Bama winning. And then he doesn't even have Georgia in the college football playoff. 
in what world does that make sense? I thought you did a my great whole point. Out. My whole point, Gordy. Like, let me, let me just let's break this down and Chris Mortensen reset the frame right here. Of like, here, let's just break it down from 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 each standpoint. I'm glad that you got it because I was fucking irate trying to talk sense into people about this whole thing. Like, so here's the whole point. The whole point is, all right, here is your Heisman Trophy winner who is going to be winning it at a position where I said it never happened before. And I stand by that because the only two times it's happened, the position was actually end, not even tight end. It just said end, which could have been split end, D end, tight, whatever you want to say. Now it happened in 66 and I think like 34. Um, and I don't, I didn't look at the stats or the numbers or anything like that. Cause there's no reason, there's no reason to, I will tell you right now, I looked through every single past winner and the position tight end is never listed once. Not once. I, I did not go through all the top 10 stuff. I will probably do that later this week in a bit of a deep dive about it to look at Brock Bauer's chances. Um, I, I mean, I think that, like, usually what happens, it's somebody that kind of surprises us. It's never like, it, you know, it, it doesn't, it's never the guy in, in week zero because what we love to do in this country, I say it all the time, we're a nation of haters. We love to build somebody up. Love to watch a story, and then we love to watch them fall. We just love it. I mean, Leonard Fournette, he he had like 191 yards per game in 2015 going into November and somehow didn't even get invited. Like, he had a bad game against Bama. He finished with 1,900 yards and 20 touchdowns, didn't get invited. Like, Hinton Hooker didn't get invited last year. Tua was leading for the entire season in 2018. Gets hurt against Georgia, the number one defense in the country. Kyler Murray balls out against Texas, and and he – like he'd been doing that all year. He, he was not mentioned as like it was it was two is to lose, and two was coming off of, I think, before that SC championship game, he was coming off like a six touchdown performance against against Auburn. And it, it just it happens all the time. It's never who you think something in the beginning. So I don't I, there's no part of me that's putting money on this. The only person I've ever heard of putting money on a preseason Heisman long shot and winning was the father of the guy that did it, and it was Joe Burrow's dad. Like, yeah, there, there was so there was a few LSU fans that were really riding high on Burrow after 18. I I was yeah. like, you're crazy. But yeah, you could have gotten really good odds there. By the way, clarification: 1949 Leon Hart at Notre Dame, and 1936 Larry Kelly at Yale. They were both Heisman winners, uh, listed as an end. And the definition is an American and Canadian football is a player who lines up at either end of the line of scrimmage, usually beside the tackle. So cool. You're not yeah. even tight. You're not even tight. You're a loose end. You're not even tight. So, but and here's the thing too. In my opinion, the reason why I said this, and again, the tweet was talking about how I, I made a comment. I was like, Desmond Howard went on TV yesterday and said that Brock Bowers will win the Heisman, which would mean the first tight end to ever win the Heisman, and he would do so on a team that didn't even make the cultural playoff. Because anyone that watches the award now tells you, oh, it's just a, it's a quarterback award, it's a stat face award. It's the best player on the best team, like whatever. But it, and it's it's kind of been a mixture of all of those things in some way or a rotation of those things in the last 20-something years, right? Like, you have one receiver that's won it since, I think, Desmond Howard, and it was Devonta Smith, unless I'm forgetting something. Like, you you don't have that many running backs that have won it. Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram. Um, I know Melvin Gore was a finalist in 2014. Uh Reggie Bush, Ron, well, yeah, Ron Dane, Ricky Hen or Ricky Williams, like Ricky Henderson. Um, it's it's not been something they've just been like handing out to skill position players nearly as much as they do to quarterbacks. That's just it's the a, way it's a quarterback or yeah, right. 
So my whole point was if Brock Bowers is going to win the Heisman, he's going to do so by having either one, you're in a, in a crop full of like kind of shit contenders, like where there's like not a, like a, no one's like broken out as like the complete like like front runner and and or you're on a team that is playing for a national championship and undefeated. And it's like that's the best player on the best team. Right. And we, can, we don't feel bad about giving him a career award or he goes out and has some crazy season where he has 20 touchdowns and does something like. Oh, he had this many receiving. He had this many rushing. He even threw a pass once. Like you know, like what, whatever. He won you a game. Georgia hasn't had to do that. They haven't had some gut check moment where he's had to go win them a game, for one. And then two, the other part is that like, like his numbers, whether people want to admit it or not, by the time this award is given out, his numbers aren't like crazy. It, it like through thirteen games last year, he had seven hundred and twenty six yards receiving. He had six receiving touchdowns and nine total touchdowns through 13 games. It's not like this is some, some situation where he's like, oh, my God, Brock Bowers put up 20 touchdowns this year. He returned a punt for a touchdown. He had, like, this many, like, you know, plays at running back. He played every single position. He scored a touchdown in every single phase of the game, whatever you want to say. He, like, it just doesn't happen. So for him to do that, it would, it would take some crazy Herculean effort as well as Georgia struggling, and I don't see either of those happening. Can, yeah, can I go as far as to say, this is going to sound nuts, he'll need 2,000 receiving yards. Like, that sounds stupid, but, like, it would take that. The The most receiving yards by a tight end in a season, uh, college football, Jace Amaro, Texas Tech, 2013, had over 1,350 receiving yards. That's that's a ton. But, like, did was Jace Amaro even considered at all? I didn't know that is. Yeah, he, he had a cup of coffee in the NFL, but, like, that's you it would have to dupe that like it would have to be 2000 receiving yards and and when's the last time georgia had a thousand receiving yard season 2002 yeah it's been a while for since they only had uh, one uh, and, and, and AJ green close, right aj green had like 960 or something but yeah it was it was um it was terrence edwards but they they've had like they've had in the last 2 years he had i think it was 1297 total receiving yards in two years combined so and, and like this isn't me saying he's not the best player in the country even it's just saying he's not going to win the heisman because it's ridiculous oh, I, this is like connor always brings up it's my it's, it's my least favorite thing because it's like dude it, like nobody there's no point in predicting this at the start of the year because it's always the odds aren't good enough for you to win it so it's not worth it and it never it, it always comes down in november because like Saquon Barkley. I'm going to give you my bet, my pick real quick. I'm going to try to yeah. cover the, the ticket here because I have a ticket in. Oh, yeah. Uh, Arson Beck to win the Heisman uh, plus 3,000 is what I got it at. Yeah. So uh, $50 bet, but we'll be going to Vegas uh, and collect my $1,500 when he wins. I just, I looked at it and said, like, best player, best team, right? That's typically what it is. Caleb Williams, yeah. a little bit of an outlier last year. Lincoln Riley effect really last year was a weird year. There wasn't like anybody that jumped out that stood out. You know, you're like Stetson Bennett wasn't going to win it. I know he was a finalist. Uh, Hendon Hooker had the best chance until he got hurt. Right. And so it was kind of people just pivoted and defaulted to Caleb Williams. But like nobody was like oh, going week in and week out last year. Oh, my God. Did you see Caleb Williams this week? Like it was right. he was good, but it wasn't like it, it was almost like the Troy Smith year. It was like. Yeah, you won it in a down year. Congrats. There was nobody else. Right. Um, 
But yeah, I look at it and go, if Georgia's going to go undefeated like they think that, like I think they are, the schedule's easy. They're going to go running back by committee. They never have just one guy. Uh, Brock Bowers isn't. They're not going to give it to a tight end. They spread it around to all the receivers, so it's not like one receiver will stand out among the rest. And defensively, there's not going to be like unless like somebody like Malachi Starks has like 15 interceptions, like there's not going to be at the one defensive player. So I said, like, who's going to stand out among the rest? It's Carson Beck. Cause he's just going to be yeah. throwing it around to all those stupid weapons and his numbers are going to look great. And if they're undefeated, Carson Beck's at least getting an invite to New York. Yeah, exactly. No, I think it's a good pick. I think, I think I could easily see that happening. I won't make that pick as you did. Um, I, I think him making it to, to New York is a really, really good play. Um, I will just for the sake of having fun with this. I, I think if I, I would pick two, I'd pick two that I think that I think could be a dark horse to win it. And one of them's going to sound stupid, but it's never happened before since like Archie Griffin. So I'll say Caleb Williams. I can see people getting caught up in his shit again, and that defense is still bad enough to where he's going to be in games late. Um, he's got to top what he did a year ago, right? They're going to hold him to a higher higher standard this year, and so and that 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 thing of nobody wants a repeat, like is like people mentally are going to go, I can't give it to him again. His numbers are compared to what Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield did are like minuscule. Like he could, he could put up in Lincoln Riley's offense, even better numbers. I think with ease, if they wanted to, he'll need to. Yeah. I, I completely agree. My pick is Quinn Ewers. Okay. I Talent have, everywhere. Look. Look, he's got, yeah, I, I was uh, talking with somebody who was at Texas practice last week. He said, Quinn Ewers looks even better than he did a year ago. And the weapons, he's like, right. people aren't even talking about Isaiah Nair. It's all Xavier Worthy and like all, all these. And then it's AD like, Mitchell, oh, yeah, Isaiah Nair, yeah, AD Mitchell, they've been saying has been the star of camp. It's like, oh, my God, they really have weapons all, all over that offense. Dude, not only do they have weapons all over the offense, they have Jatavian Sanders. People are going to get tired of me saying it, but like. I, I will we'll, we'll transition from this into our college football playoff picks, but I just think that if you are talking about, again, look at Sark's offense, look at what he did with two in 2019, look at what he did with Mac Jones in 2020. I mean, Bama, people forget this. Bama had three of the top five Heisman vote getters in 2020, three of the top five, all on offense. Najee Harris had 30 touchdowns. Devontae Smith had 1,800 receiving yards and 23 touchdowns. That's also an offense that had Jalen Waddell for half the year and Mac Jones at quarterback. I don't think that they had Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle out there in, in Austin necessarily. And I know they don't have Najee Harris, but like Quinn Ewers, people forget, just a elite, elite prospect under Sark going into year two with a fully like like returning all five stars offensive line. I mean, they've got weapons everywhere. They've returned 10, 11 stars on offense. And how about the factor of, and I know people have like a little Texas fatigue. Like I talked to somebody yesterday. Yeah. You know, I'm sick of hearing that Notre Dame and Texas are back. He's just like, I, every year yeah. I hear they're back. I said, I get it, but they're actually good now. Like he's recruited well. They're loaded. They had the hardest part figured out with quarterback. Yes, you got to replace B. John Robinson and R Roshan Johnson. But like I, they've recruited well there. The thing, other thing, Marler, is don't poke a bear. The Big 12, man, they, they're loving taking shots at Texas. Mm -hmm. Keep doing it and see what happens. You're going to get your ass right. beat by the Longhorns because yeah. Rhett Yormark going out there and going publicly, yeah, Joey McGuire, Texas Tech, I'll be there Thanksgiving. Why don't you whoop, your, whoop their ass again? And then Sark comes out today and goes, yeah, it's funny. Uh, it's funny that the commissioner did that because literally the day before he sent out an email of code of conduct 
and respecting everybody. Yeah, right. Real nice. Uh, so I, I think all the slapping of everybody poking, you know, fun at Texas with one foot out the door going to the SEC. I think more than anything, they want to leave and spank yeah. everybody's ass and win the Big 12 and go suck on that. Right. No, I completely agree. And I, and I just I think that Sark is he's got enough. And also, whoever said that about he's tired of hearing Notre Dame and Texas being back. Notre Dame went to the college football playoff three years ago. What? They they get the benefit of the doubt a lot. Like every year they're yeah. preseason top 25. And, you yeah. know, it's almost like A&M was for a while. Preseason top 10 every year. And then it's like three years. Our lesson. It's like three years in a row. Uh, all right. Let's get into our college football playoff picks. And then we will finally get into our week one semi-pre-preview. Um, one word to describe each SEC team going into week one. College football playoff. I'll let you start. Who do you got? Okay, I got um, – well, based on my Heisman pick, unlike uh, unlike Desmond Howard, Carson Beck winning the Heisman, what does that mean? It means Georgia goes undefeated and in the regular season. They win the SEC. They they go to the playoffs. So, I got Georgia as the one seed. Um, I will do wonder, though, like, could the, could the committee um, take them down a notch saying, we didn't like the schedule you played? But I, I don't know. I don't think they have the balls enough to do that. But right. I would come out and say that. If I was on the committee, I'd go, hey, Georgia, you guys, y'all been great. You've, you're undefeated. But you know what? You didn't play Jack, so we're going to have you two. Like, I'd love to see yeah. the committee do that. I don't think they do that. Um, and then the team that I have number two, same argument, Michigan. But Michigan, in this scenario, beats Ohio State, wins the Big Ten. They're undefeated. I think they have a couple of nice little bonus points there at the end of the season that puts them in a good spot. Yeah. Uh, my three seed, I've got Clemson. I think mm. we're oh, we're too in love with Florida State right now. Yeah. I like Jordan Travis. I think Florida State's going to have a very good year. I think they'll get the 10 wins, go to a New Year's Six Bowl, but they're not going to the playoff. Clemson is winning the ACC. Clemson is back. Cape Klubnik and uh, Shipley and, and that whole crew. And then my four seed, look, I just went to bat for them. Texas Longhorns. I think they I think they go 11 and 1. I think they slip up somewhere along the way. Maybe oh. Alabama. Maybe they lose at Bama. But I think they win the Big 12, and I think Texas is in. Pac-12 left out. I think everybody beats up yeah, on one another. UFC loses to a couple of Pac-12 teams. I think that happens. I think Ohio State, new quarterback, struggles. I think they have two losses. And I think Bama just missed. I think Bama will be like – I think Bama will be 10-2, and two and Saban will be going to bat saying, oh, look, we're one, of the, we're one of the best teams. But I think they're just left out on the outside looking in. So that means you have Bama going ten and two, losing who twice? Like, actually, I don't fucking care. I don't want to hear it anyway. Um, <laughs> all right, my playoff predictions. I love what you said about Clemson, and I probably should put them in there, but I'm not going to, because I'm just gonna have fun with this one. Mainly because I think I'm just tired. Like, 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 no matter what we say, people are gonna call us idiots. And I'll remind everyone once again: here are our predictions a year ago. We went eighteen and three. In the preseason for season long predictions, we went 18 and three. One of the ones we missed Ohio State winning the Big Ten and Ohio State winning the national championship because me being the idiot that I am, I said Ohio State and Georgia were the two best teams in the country and they only played in the national semifinal, not the national title game. So what do I know? And if that so, field goal goes a little bit this way, Ohio that State. dude, it would have had to go a long long way the other way that thing was well hey that thing was i said the other day that thing went further left than bernie sanders so um for me i i just know i'm gonna get called an idiot no matter what so here are my predictions 
I'm not going to put them in the order. Fuck it, I will. One, Bama. Two, Texas. Wow. Three, Georgia. Four, Penn State. There you go. Michigan doesn't play anybody. Um, I think that Michigan is is like, they're probably a good team, but they have to go to Happy Valley. Uh, I, I think what you just said, too, is I, I, like a couple of weeks ago, my pick for the whole thing was Ohio State. I don't know. I think they're going to be fine at the quarterback position. I will never fucking bet on any quarterback wearing number 33. This is not fucking 1962. You don't get to do that in my – like things I want off my lawn is that right off the bat. Just like immediately get the fuck out of here, bro. Wait, so so play this out. So we must have no. just total – No. No, 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 because for this to happen, we must have total catastrophe. Because if Georgia's the three seed mm-hmm. – so, so in this scenario, Georgia and Bama meet undefeated in Atlanta? No, Bama will be eleven and one with a loss to Texas. Okay, is Texas undefeated? Yeah. So Texas undefeated, but Bama with the one loss to them is the one seed. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah, I didn't think about that part. Um, <laughs> this is okay, where so I'm maybe about- Texas is eleven and one. Texas is eleven okay. and one. Okay. Okay. And yeah. there, and Georgia's only loss is to Bama in the SEC title. Of course. Game. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So they're in. And what's Penn State? They must have. They must be a one loss Big Ten champ. Yeah. Sure. For them to be behind one loss. And again, like to to be behind Georgia, Georgia's probably the four seed in this scenario because if Big no, Ten because they're not going to make they're not going to make those two teams play each other. And if Georgia went twelve and zero, number one for most of the year, which I'm sure that's what they're going to be, because they don't play anybody, and that no one's within double digits of them for most of every single game they play. But wouldn't you push a pay, a a pack or Big Ten Penn State Big Ten champ who just won their conference? Wouldn't you have them ahead of Georgia who just lost their conference? I don't know, but they're not going to make Georgia and Bama play again in the first round of the playoff. So if you look at the matchups and you're trying to get oh, the God, best yeah. matchups and it's like, uh, hey, we're going to put Texas versus Georgia, Bama versus Penn State. So everybody – so – Fuck off, Gordy. Just like – 12, just ACC <laughs> beat up on one another. I'm just going through the scenario. No, I don't care. Listen, just – no, the ACC <laughs> – Logically, this I didn't think this one out, okay? But that's what's gonna happen. Fine, whatever. All right. I mean, I no, you, you locked it in. You locked so it in. So the Clemson, Clemson would have been a better pick than Texas, but I want to put Texas in there, and I also think because I'm I'm big on them this year, and I also think that I mean Clemson, I think is is a really really good pick. I just wasn't gonna have the same exact picks as you. Yeah, and so. and I, now that I know that you have Texas in there, I think I want to take Texas out. But yeah, that's fine. I mean, like I, you heard the, all the numbers I just said about being correct and all that kind of stuff. So I wouldn't want to do things like me either. So for anybody um, who thinks it's crazy, though, I mean, TCU just got to the championship a oh year God. ago. So it's like RJ Young right now, just the most flawed logic imaginable of him saying, "What was that? last week?" It was like something about Travis Hunter making the Travis Hunter is a preseason All American, and people have Colorado picked. Last in the Pac-12. Somebody make it make sense. Like, yeah, I will. I will. It's a roster full of 85 fucking players. It's not one player. Like, anyway. All right. Yeah, let's they're, get into they're gonna take, it's going to take some time in Colorado. Yeah, for sure. Let's get into our last segment. Um, and that is going to be hot takes? one word. I thought huh? you wanted hot takes. Ah, fuck it. You can do your hot takes if you want. I've already had enough of you. All right. I'm just going to give you a couple. These are, these are going to be a couple of – I did them as newspaper headlines coming out of week one. Oh, I like that. All right, here we go. Hot take number one. What quarterback controversy? Jalen Milrow scores five touchdowns in route of Middle Tennessee. 
I know what you're doing, and you're just being me. I like it. Hey, I okay. like it. Uh, how about this one? This is a headline. Spencer rattles the Tar Heels. Yeah. I like that. South Carolina upset. Yeah. No, I got uh, it. How about this one? Coming on Thursday night. Bad Mertz rising. Florida upsets Utah. Ooh. Bad Mertz rising? Yeah, I don't know. Bad like, I tried to play on Cam rising, not playing. I don't know. Okay. That's a stretch, but I like it. And then lastly, it. this is a little bit of a stretch. Uh, Hooker who? Joe Milton sets single game touchdown record versus Virginia. I don't think these are bad takes. Like, I, I think these are like all things that could happen. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think these are all things that could happen. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I like it. I appreciate that. All right, let's get into the last segment because my computer is about to die. Um, so SEC football obviously starts this week. You host Locked on SEC. We are more of a national podcast going into this season, but we'll get into more of the national stuff on Wednesday for the official week one preview show, our first one of the year. Um, what I want to do now, though, is talk to you about one word to describe every single SEC team going into the season. We'll keep it quick. We'll keep it light, especially with the first one, because I don't want to hear a lot of the words you have to say. Um, Alabama, one word to describe the mood. You can do the mood, the, the mood of the team. Or the fans going into the season, what do you got? Hungry. Mm. Yeah, is that it? That's it. Hungry. Hangry is mine. <laughs> Was it really? Yeah. Okay. Hangry, because I think they're hungry and I think they're fucking pissed. Dad is mad. I'm not going to say the R word, revenge tour, but I kind of want to going into 2023. Joy um, ball, right? I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, all right, so next up, we have Arkansas. One word to describe the Arkansas mood going into the season. This is based on a few people I've talked to the last couple weeks. Nervous. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of Arkansas fans that are start. I think they were very high, excited that you got Rocket Sanders and, and KJ back, but I think they're starting to look at that schedule and going, I'm a little nervous. Yeah. So I, they're they're going to – I don't know if you've seen their schedule. They're going to run off a bunch of wins early, but I think they're going to get to a Every point – going to be tough 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 so i think some of the arkansas fans i've talked to are a little nervous yeah uh i think hopeful is the one i think it's a word you could probably use for a while or a lot of stuff but this year especially because it's like you're in year three of Pittman, i think or year four of Pittman. you want him to to kind of get something closer to that season they had in 2021 where they had nine wins and a new year's day bowl schedule's pretty tough you lose both coordinators we'll see but i think they're hopeful because you have kj jefferson you have raheem sanders um, so a lot of good things come of it. Auburn. I said excited. Um, yeah. You know, it's because there's there's no like they could go and lose a bunch of games and it doesn't matter. Like, does the offense look good? Yeah. Is, is Hugh scoring a lot of points? Hey, we lost in that last second field goal, but man, the future looks bright. Right. A lot of Auburn fans feel that way. Like they still want to win. Don't get me wrong. But like they go seven and five. They win their bowl game. They know that great recruiting class is coming down the road. I think a lot of them are just excited. Yeah. Um, mine's nostalgic. Nostalgic. I think that they have um, a lot of nostalgia in place going into this season because it feels like they're finally back to what the excitement level, like you said, where it's supposed to be. So I have nostalgic on there. Uh, all right, Florida. Uh, pessimistic, I think, is yeah. what I've heard from Florida fans. They – they are expecting to suck, but hoping they don't. So a lot of just pessimism, 
man, we got no chance, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I think, but not giving up. Like they, they still want to see some kind of success. Yeah. Um, I don't know all the stages of grief because I feel like I don't ever practice them when I do go through something anyway. But I think that delusion might be one of them. And that's where I'm at with Florida because I think as the season gets closer, you're like, you know what? No, let's go. Fucking chip on our shoulder, back against the wall, us against the world. Let's do this. Um, that's easier said than done. I don't think it's going to be the easiest uh, season for Florida, but I have delusion for mine. Georgia. I said confident. I mean, there's no other way to put it. They're just – I don't think they're cocky. I just think they're confident. They know what they've got. Kirby is – I mean, look, there's some that are cocky, sure, but, like, they're right to be cocky if they are. Mm-hmm. Like, they've, they, they've done everything they're supposed to do. They're loaded at every position. Um, now, look, if they get upset and lose some games they're not supposed to, they're going to come crashing back down to earth. Right. I think, I think they're a confident bunch. I had arrogance, so it's close enough. Um <laughs> They, those, those fans haven't remembered what it's like to lose, and they're going to find out. And it's going to be a nightmare. It's going like, to be a fucking – God forbid they lose a game early they shouldn't lose. Who are they going like, to lose to? I don't know. But, I mean, they almost lost to Mizzou last year. Well. Right, like, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. If they are struggling with a team like Kent State through two quarters like they did a year ago – no, just hear me out. If they're struggling with them with a new coordinator they already ran off a decade ago, you think those fans are going to just all of a sudden slip back – slip? Not slip back into like being angry, irrational, illogical fans. That's what we all do. Yeah, I just everybody wins a title has one of those games though that you know they didn't show up for, but still found yeah. a way to win. That, that's what makes that's what gives. And in the moment, here. they they you know they realize that and they they are just they're okay, and the fan base just moves right on, right? Well, I mean, look, the whole game day crew is doubting them. They all pick Bama to win the SEC, so Kirby's got know. a bulletin board material. That's true. Um, okay. My battery's on 13%. We got to fly through these. Kentucky. Uh, I said hopeful. Easy mm-hmm. one. They're just they're they're hoping to see something out of uh Devin Leary. Yeah, I got back. So I think they're gonna be back to where they were a couple of years ago. I love what they have with Cohen and Leary and all that kind of stuff. I think they're gonna be really fun to watch because they have a pretty easy schedule at the beginning, too. So I have back for them. Uh, I'm trying to go in alphabetic order, and I'm not sure. LSU is next. I said relaxed. Um mm. Uh, maybe that's not the best word, but I think a lot of LSU fans are happy with where they are. Brian Kelly just he he was ahead of schedule in year one. Right. They love everything. They they bring back their whole coaches staff. They bring back almost all their players. They're feeling just very relaxed right now. Now again, first loss, they're gonna all throw their hands up in the air and go nuts, but relaxed. I have stupid. Um, <laughs> no, um, I have honeymoon. Honeymoon. Okay. Honeymoon phase because I feel like that's where they kind of are right now. Things are great. You haven't hit that wall yet, um, you know, so we'll see how it goes. Um, up next, let's go Mississippi State. Um, I said hopeful there. I just mm-hmm. I, I couldn't think of another word, um, you know, set up to be let down, I guess, maybe. But, yeah, it's tough. It, it's, it's just a tough spot to be in. Yeah, I just put shrugged just because it's like, uh, you know, what do we, what do we do? What do we expect? What are we supposed to expect? Like all that kind of stuff. You know, what are we, what are we supposed to be doing right now? Um, all right. Up next Mizzou. I said, realistic. Most Mizzou fans I've talked to are not expecting. Look, we're not beating Georgia. We're not right. competing for the East. We just want a, a couple wins to justify keeping Eli and giving him extension. So I think Mizzou's realistic. I put roller coaster because I feel like some of their fans, especially on social media are, just chomping at the bit, especially that K State game coming up. 
um, who knew that K-State had a crazy, irrational Twitter presence. Um, I think that they are going to be it, – it's going to be a roller coaster of a trip because they're going to win week one. They should do pretty well. I, I think the defense is going to be good, but they, they, they've got some questions for sure, and that schedule is not super, super easy. Uh, all right, up next we have – what's the next word or next letter? We're at Miss, Mizzou, so is it O? Is it Ole Miss? Okay, Ole Miss. Um, and again, this is just based on some Ole Miss fans I've talked to. Cocky. Yeah. I think there's a lot of cocky Ole Miss fans who think, look, Quinchon Judkins had a great freshman year. Right. But, like, they're all just expecting him to do that again and be the best running back in the country. And Jackson Dart's going to throw for a million yards. And now we got Pete Golding. The defense is going to get better. I, I still look at that personnel on the defense and say they're a year away yeah. still. They're recruiting well. But I, I just think Ole Miss a little too cocky right now. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna lose the two lane a week too. I had overconfidence. I I completely agree with that. Um, all right, we're on ten percent here. I don't know how this is possible. Uh, up next, we have South Carolina. What do you have, South Carolina? Couldn't think of one for them other than just you know. I I think they're probably a little bit pessimistic too, mm-hmm. um, or realistic. I think a lot of I, I don't know a lot of South Carolina fans that are going. We're going ten and two. Like I think most of yeah. Them are, I think that eight and fours would be good for them. I have I have horny for South Carolina. Yeah, because um, it's like you know they say dogs in heat. It's hot as fuck in Columbia all the time, uh, and also South Carolina fans. I mean, you're coming off you're coming off the best possible outside of beating Notre Dame way to close a season a year ago, and now you go into the year. I think they're going to beat North Carolina, um, and then you look at that that matchup with Georgia early. They're going to be fired up for that. I don't think it's going to go well, um, but every single time I doubt. Shane Beamer in South Carolina, he proves me wrong. So I will continue to do it for their sake. Tennessee, we got three left. What do you have, Tennessee? I put overconfident for them. I just, I, I almost put, whoa, you know, yeah. horse. Like I almost put, let's slow it down a little bit here on expectations for Josh Heupel. I think, look, I think they're going to be good still. I think Milton yeah. can be good. If not, the Nico chapter will start soon. But, um, I just like let's pump the bricks a little bit. If you go to if you win nine games this year, it's fine. You're fine. Don't like don't. But but from what I'm here on, on reading everything, they're expecting 10, 11 wins. Yeah, I have crow because they're going to be eating a lot of it. I think, and I can't wait. Um, Texas A and M. So I said Alabama was hungry. I said A and M was thirsty. Oh, they are, they are thirsty, man. They want that thirst trap is real. That's why you hire Bobby Petrino. Yeah. Um, I have, so I couldn't think of the way to phrase this properly, of course, but I have reaching. And the reason why is this, because reaching, I think they're going to reach their potential under this team this year. I think they're gonna be really good, but I also think what's going to end up happening is what always ends up happening with A&M is they're going to start reaching for what they, oh, we should have had this. We should be doing this. We should like, you know, fucking get Jimbo to do another contract. Can we sign Petrino to a lifetime OC contract? Like, it's always something they're just always doing too much. Last but not least, before we close it out here, Vanderbilt. I said hopeless. Yeah, I hate to be that way. It just is. You're not getting yeah. five wins this year. It's just tough. Sorry, Vandy. Yeah, I just I mine mine was just Vandy, just as in Vandy's gonna Vandy. And I think that's I hate to say it, but like anybody that's watching see football knows what that means. I think that's where they are. That's where they're gonna be. That's it. All right. Uh, this has been great, Gordy. My computer is going to die because I'm not good at planning ahead, uh, much like AM and those contracts like that. But I appreciate you coming on here. 
Um, as always, you're the best. And dude, it's, it's fucking, it's game week. We are fired up and ready to go. Um, as we close it out, tell everyone where they can find you and all of your fantastic work that you do. Yeah, we're just locked on SEC is our, our show. And, uh, you know, talking all things SEC football, we're, we're more on the newsy side. We talk about mm-hmm. like actual uh, stuff going on in the conference. And musicals. You love newsies. Yeah, we, we talk, we talk a lot of newsies. I, uh, in this third segment every day, I sing Santa Fe. Are you there? <laughs> um, but yeah, open the gates and seize the day. And we got a special guest, Chris Marler, coming on this week. Hey, I'm back. Do you swear um, you won't forget me? <laughs> I would. That's that's what we should start doing. Is like just as niche as possible. Like this is your only SEC football and Newsies podcast on the market. <laughs> um, all right, Gordy, we love you. We'll talk to you soon. I'll talk to you tomorrow. This will be out uh, on all platforms on Tuesday, August 29th. Make sure you are catching up with all of our stuff on SaturdayOnSouth.com. Make sure you listen to the Saturday on South podcast. Find Marler on tr- on Twitter at Vern Funquist. Tyler at Tyler Huck, I think. I don't know. Um, go follow all the stuff on social media. Listen to their podcast. Listen to ours first. Rate us and leave five-star reviews. It's how I keep my job. And we will talk to you guys on Wednesday for our first Week one preview. See you all then.